Put the fucking mic on. How we doing, folks? It's your boy, DB Barstool Sports Starting Nine, and you are listening to the End of the Bench. Scoot your ass down. Welcome to episode 102 of End of the Bench. On this episode, no guest, but we got a ton of baseball to talk about. We're talking MLB draft. We're going to talk about the, the tensions with Major League Baseball and the Players Association. Will we actually see a baseball season? We'll also talk about the NBA is actually coming back. We'll give a breakdown. I, I know last podcast on Friday, we didn't talk about any sports. We did the Just Listen and Learn episode, which I appreciate everybody listening. It's getting a lot of good reviews on YouTube and on all social platforms, including the, the podcast as well. If you're listening on iTunes and Spotify, just look up Into the Bench. You'll see it there. And we'll talk about the NBA season, break it down. Well, is this going to be good for the NBA? How is this going to shape up for the start of the 2020-2021 season? It's kind of a, it's a ton to take in, but I think what Adam Silver is doing with the NBA, I think it's great. Also, we're going to recap the la- uh, the the latest, really wasn't the latest, but uh, the Lance Armstrong documentary, Lance, came out two weeks ago. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. Break it down. I didn't watch the Bruce Lee one, but I, I really liked the Lance Armstrong one. Really, I really loved it. We'll break that down. Um, I learned a ton of stuff about Lance Armstrong that I didn't really know, and you know, I knew that the drugs he used, but I didn't know how good, it, how how amazing it worked, and how long he was taking it. So we'll break that down. But let's dive right in to the MLB and MLBPA saga try get this baseball season underway it's it's just it's like every day there's just something new and i keep seeing if it's jeff pass and or kirchin or buster only or joe sherman name any insider the rocket jared carabas or if it's trevor trevor freaking ploof from talking yet talking baseball with with john boy john boy media they're also putting out information that they might know but it's changing every day, so it's like I don't want—I don't know what to believe. It's like with this coronavirus; it's like you don't know what to believe anymore. It's all the information changing every single day. But this week, in particular, it's just getting wild. So I'll run—I run through some key things every single day. I mean, I have three or the three or four days worth of information here. But Monday, MLB proposes a six—a seventy-six game season with seventy-five percent pro-rated salary. A regular season that ends on September 27th. Postseason would have run until October. And the salary breakdown, this is thank you to Jeff Passon who can break this down for me. So the salary breakdown to get to the $1.4 billion number, 50% of prorated salaries over 76 games, that's $954 million. Payments to players if postseason happens, that's another, you know, uh, I don't know, $393 million. And bonus pool for postseason teams to split up is about fifty million, and forgiveness of one hundred and seventy million advanced. It's, it's a ton of money, but the Major League Baseball Players Association, the MLBPA, was like, "Uh, uh-uh, don't like that shit. They don't like it." So the players believe MLB's new proposal is worse than last week's. They call it a step backwards. That's according to U.S. USA Today. Huh? If the MLBPA thinks that's a step backwards. It is a worse proposal, a worse offer 
than last week. It's fucking hard. This is terrible. It's just not getting together. A lot of, uh, I'll get into some more reasons, but here's just more of a breakdown. So Tuesday, the MLBPA proposes an 89-game schedule. 89, okay. That will include full prorated share of salary and an extended playoffs. Nope, don't like that. And then Wednesday, Wednesday, this is Friday, people. Wednesday, Manfred says he is convinced that this season will happen. We're going to play 100% this year in 2020. The fuck does that mean? No, how? How? I don't get it. I mean, look, look. On Monday, they said that this offer that was proposed is a step backwards, and and also here's a quote from the Athletic. Also, with this rejection, MLB still is increasingly likely to play in 2020. How how does Manfred and Major League Baseball keep saying this that there's going to be increasingly po- increased possibility or it's a hundred percent? that we're going to be playing this season in 2020 when these offers are just getting worse and worse. And the players are like, dude, this is, we agreed to something and now you want to make it worse for us. We agreed to something months ago, but you're, you're not agreeing to what we want now. How is that? How is that fair? We're going to play in 2020. Bullshit. Bullshit. And on Friday, this morning, you don't follow Carl, you know if you don't follow Carl Ravage, I I suggest you do. He he did a video the other night, an interview during the MLB draft, and kind of asked like you know. He he asked Manfred what the hell's going on basically, and like why aren't we playing, and you should do these schedules, and you know Manfred kind of clapped back, but then Ravage was held his ground. He's like, dude, it's it really isn't that hard. So this was a quote. This is a tweet from this morning from Carl Ravage. Sources tell ESPN's Carl Ravage, MLB counterproposal today will move towards a season of roughly 70 plus games with a salary percentage on the 80 to 85 percent pro rate bonus pool, a playoff pool bonus also will include. His concerns are the recent spikes in COVID-19, worst case would be a to be a start and stop situation, and will players move with this? With the players like this, who knows? Who fucking knows? Everyone's changing their their mind. Now, I, I do want to clarify one thing here. So, a lot of people, fans I'm talking to, fans of the game of baseball, like myself. I've been a fan of baseball my entire life. I played baseball my entire life. You guys know this. I played in college. This is Baseball is my life, right? But a lot of fans are not getting an understanding why. Why are these players rejecting these offers? They're making millions. They should quit bitching. 40 million Americans don't have jobs. They aren't getting paid. Hey, look, dude, I'm one of those 40 million. It's been rough. Okay, we get it. It's been a rough time. But the fact of the matter is, is that these players have worked their entire life this is it. This is what they wanted to do as a career. They wanted to be a professional player. 
Now, into getting to that career and getting there, people don't, the normal person that might not, the, the, I guess the basic general fan doesn't know the steps to becoming a Garrett Cole, to becoming a Mike Trout, to becoming a Bryce Harper. And those three guys in particular have giant contracts. You miss holidays. You miss birthdays. You miss weddings. You miss family events. You miss prom. You miss parties. You miss your high school, legit your high school life. Like your life in high school is a is a great time for a man or a, a boy or a girl to kind of grow up and see what they're going to become as an adult going into college. Also, some people don't go to college. They're missing out on one of the best times of your life. The f- four years of college for a lot of people and majority of kids, it's the will be the best time of your life. It's it's you're becoming an adult. You're experiencing things on your own, good and bad. But these players, some of them, sacrifice those key moments in their life because they want to hit their goal. Since they were five years old, I want to play in the big leagues. It's a lot of sacrifice. You can get hurt. You can get Tommy John. You can risk your career in pushing yourself to the absolute extreme limit. And guess what? You're bitching at them that they should just get cut their salaries by 70%. I, I'm sorry. I don't agree with it. They're looking at a guy like, I don't know who's Zach Granke or David Price or a Trout or something like that. Those guys are making those 30, 32 million dollar deals, thirty two million a year. Excuse me. Those guys, I get it. They're making a ton of money. What's it gonna? What? It's not gonna be a big deal if they get cut their salary from from in the twenty twenty season from thirty five to seven point eight. But you have to understand, guaranteed contracts. That means you're guaranteed the money that you're offered and you signed for. And these players, they're worth the millions because they've showed time and time again that they are great. That's what their that's what their job is. Now I look, you can have the argument they're playing a kid's game. You know, I would you know, a lot of people would do this for free. All the, you hear all these different scenarios, all these different comments. But I don't see your ass putting the fucking work in. I don't see you doing that. I don't see you blood, sweat, and tears. Legit, your childhood. Like Bryce Harper played baseball 24-7, 365. He traveled the country playing in tournaments in the summer. At 13, 14, 15 years old. That's 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 like the perfect time to create memories as as a lot of people like myself. You create these memories as a kid. It's like, oh, do you remember when we went to the park that one time? You know, remember when we went like you we, we, we were we were playing baseball, like sandlot baseball? No, but this is what this kid wanted to do. And people notice at 13 that Bryce Harper was gonna be a big leaguer. You know how often that happens? Never. The man was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16. He worked his tail off. His father helped him so much. His family was provided for him. And guess what? These players finally are getting the money they deserve. Is that $400 million or $300 million too much for a player? 
It depends on what the player is. Is Bryce Harper getting a shit ton of negative publicity because he had a a, a season where a you know a thirty million dollar guy, thirty million a year guy, should be doing better? Yeah, maybe. But the guy before the contract showed the world that he is worth the money. An MVP, he's won a batting title, an All Star, he's done it all. So guess what? He's worth that money. He showed it. He's put the work in. So when these owners are not understanding that, or the fans aren't understanding that these guys deserve the money, I don't I don't understand. And f- frankly, the owners are the one fucking put the money out for these players. And they're like, oh, okay, you know what? Let's cut this shit in half. Let's cut it 70%. And also, I just want to fucking mention one thing. And I mentioned it couple podcasts ago and I'll continue to mention it 65% of Major League Baseball do not make that much like 65% of Major League Baseball make a million dollars or less 65% now for you people at home more than half 65% of the league that's a lot of players guys a lot of players do not make um, look a million dollars is a ton of money for me, maybe you that's listening, maybe maybe for you it isn't a lot of money. Maybe you have a lot of money. Maybe you're a millionaire already and you're listening to this and you're like, oh, a million dollars isn't a lot. But guess what? For to the normal person that's listening to this or the normal person that's not listening to this, a million dollars is a fuck ton of money. You cut that shit by 70%, you're losing a lot of money. Hey, you're making $200,000 a year. Eh, 300000 400000 Still good, right? Yes. But if you fucking deserve the money and you sign the, your name on the dotted line, you deserve it. I will, I will never understand. These guys are worth millions of dollars because they put the time in. They've showed. They put the stats show it. So I don't want to hear the bullshit about, oh, these players are whining because they're going to get a pay cut and they're not going to make 35. They're going to make seven. It makes a difference. And also think of the aspect this way. Think of it different. That player that's making the $35 million, which he deserves because he's shown his shit, and he gets that cut at 7.6, that owner, you know, the team he plays for, be like, yo, what the fuck? I came here because I knew I was getting this money. I knew I, I wanted to come here. I wanted to come here. I've declined other offers, and now you want to take half of that thing away? That player is going to be pissed at his fucking owner. He's like, I'm, I have a feeling players are like, how the fuck, how fast can I get, can I get out of here? That's also the mental aspect of it. The relationship between the owners and players are just, it's absolutely it is it is it is in a horrible situation look i want the major league baseball season to come so fucking bad i want the i want these two these two sides to make a deal so fast because i am losing my mind there's no sports nascar fine it's back shout out bubba wallace too big big moves there i don't know why i didn't even put it on my my notes we're talking about the fucking confederate flag too Mark that down. That'll be the second part of our podcast. Second uh, after the first break. Definitely mentioning that. But the fact of the matter is, like, there's NASCAR. Is that 
popular to me is that important to me no i i i guess it's it's huge in the, in the aspect of that sports are slowly coming back soccer is coming back nhl is coming back um the nba will talk at the second half of this it's coming back but the fact of the matter is that baseball is is becoming the laughing stock of the four major sports in in in, in the sports world nfl i heard something that they might have a shortened preseason fine should the NFL start getting worried in, in by September, October, by 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 end of August, September, because of OTAs and and training camp? Look, it's coming fast, but I think they're going to be fine. Let's be honest; no sports will have fans in twenty twenty. It's it's obvious. It's going to suck, but it's obvious. But MLB is becoming the laughing stock because these owners and and Manfred. And Tony Clark, they they're just their heads up their ass, and they just can't get this together. Why can't there just be an agreement together? Why can't we just agree on something? The fans want baseball back, but the players want their money, and the owners don't want to. And the owners are still being being cheap. I will never be on the owner's side, never, because the owners are billionaires, okay? And they're could continue to become billionaires. Now, were they billionaires before they bought this team? Fuck yeah. Did they make all, all their money outside of the game of baseball? Yeah. This is just another business that they're going to continue to make money. And revenue has gone up every single year the past three or four years, by the way, in TV revenue and revenue in general for Major League Baseball. So guess what? They're going to be fine. It's that 65% that I'm worried about. Minor league guys are losing their jobs, aren't getting paid. We'll talk about the MLB draft. That There's only five fucking rounds. That's insulting. That's horrible. We'll get to that in a minute. But I, I, I don't know why I have to preface this again and again and again. That the players deserve the money. Owners, stop being fucking greedy. And let's get a deal done, man. I think this thing on mon- on on Monday was perfect. I think it was perfect. But why? But you know, I'm sorry, not on Monday MLB. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. You know, what what we've seen, like 89 game by the MLB MLB PA. I think it's great. It's just because the owners don't want to lose money. They just they're greedy, fucking dicks. Okay, that's just flat out what I think. And guess what? Everybody else thinks that, player-wise. Players and a lot of guys in the media are getting sick of this as well because they keep fucking reporting this different shit on every single day. And it just is like, you know, it's like you don't you don't know what to believe. Like every time, like passing, he tweets something out, I would always believe it. Same thing with Woj and Schefter. These are the, these are the guys, and Rosenthal, these are the guys that I know. When they tweet something out, breaking news, Shit is right. It's right. 99% of the time. When was the last time that, you know, Woj tweeted out something wrong? You know? When was the last time that happened? I don't fucking remember that. Or or just a misinformation. I don't remember. But everyone's getting told misinformation for it's been a long time with this whole agreement here. But we had something to watch. The MLB draft. And I'm I was happy. Um, I 
the last week or so, I've been really looking into it. Not, not last week, last like two or three weeks. But majority of time, majority of my information was the last week. I've been diving in deep. MLB draft happened this weekend, and oh, this weekend, this during this the middle of the week. And what sucks is there was only five rounds. On March 26, MLB and the MLBPA reached a deal, which is hilarious that they're reaching a deal on this, that included the option to shorten the draft to five rounds and also shorten the 2021 draft to 20 rounds due to the coronavirus pandemic. MLB ultimately opted to shorten the 2020 draft to five rounds in a plan to allow teams to sign an unlimited amount of undrafted players for $20,000 each. Um, don't like it. Don't like it at all because the draft is a special, special thing. It's a special thing for a lot of players. We've seen over the years, the decades, in the draft of these hidden gems drafted low in the rounds, like Mike Piazza drafted way down in the draft. Like the story that Mike Piazza got drafted because there's a family friend was friends with freaking I think Tommy Lasorda in the in the freaking I, I don't know it might have been family or. Or I don't know, but I know there was a relationship with the Dodgers, and it was a, kind of like a favor. And P- Mike Piazza, and Mike Piazza was drafted so low in the draft, and the, and the Dodgers drafted him, and then he becomes this absolute coming of nowhere superstar, and then he eventually, twenty five years later, becomes a um, you know a Hall of Famer. So it's just it, you you love seeing these stories. It's just a shame that it was f- only five rounds. But some guys I, I kind of want to just – there's three guys I want to talk about, maybe four. Um, first overall pick, Spencer Torkelson, drafted by the Tigers. Two of the last three years, the Tigers have drafted in the first, um, have drafted the number one pick. In 2018, they drafted Casey Mize. Uh, kid's going to be a beast. I think I might have said last draft that he was going to be like a Verlander type, workhorse, hard fastball, good breaking ball. Breaking ball. But this kid – which is which is pretty interesting. He's a first baseman, third baseman. As a freshman at Arizona State, Torkelson batted 320 with 25 home runs, 53 RBIs over 55 games. The 25 home runs led the nation as a freshman and set a Pac-12 record for home runs by a freshman. And and guess what? Oh yeah, remember Barry Bonds? That guy. He went to Arizona State. He broke Barry Bonds' school record for home runs by a freshman. That, let alone, should raise an eyebrow or two. As sophomore year, Torkelson joined Bobby Horner as the only Arizona State players to hit 20 home runs for consecutive seasons. And in 2019, he played in the Cape Cod League. And then in 2020, of course, it was a shortened season. But the guy was drafted first overall. Scouts, I saw scouts... um, Information he said that some scout I'm not gonna uh, I there was actually no name I just saw his scouts say this you know it's I don't know how I don't know how much you can believe that but I'm just gonna say I saw I was reading his bio and it said scouts say best power we've seen in a long time he has potential to be a major league player within one to two years that is tough. But this kid's power is serious. I was watching highlights. He cranks the balls, and he also hits for average. Remember a first baseman, 
for the Tigers, won a triple crown, an MVP, multiple MVPs. Oh, Miguel Cabrera. Imagine Torkelson comes up in, let's say, two years, and Cabrera is still there. Miguel Cabrera is getting up there in age, but imagine he waits until Torkelson comes up. Now, Cabrera is not playing first base anymore. He's more of a DH. He's getting older. But just wait until Torkelson gets called up. Holy shit. The amount of knowledge that Torkelson's going to learn from Miggy is going to be in fucking sane. Insane. That'd be nuts. This kid has power to all fields. Great pick from the Tigers. Now, two years in a row. I mean, they were the worst team in Major League Baseball last year. That's why they got the number one pick. But two of the last three years, Adley Rutschman was drafted last year by the Orioles. But in 18, Casey Mize and now Torkelson. Not bad, Tigers. And you're trying your best to get something together. I know. Tiger fans, are st- they had their run. They had their shot. They had their shot. Remember in 2006 when they lost to the St. Louis Cardinals? Rough year for that. Rough year. Cardinals versus the Tigers. Young Verlander. I remember he made it like a throwing error. He tried picking off somebody at third base. Threw it away. I remember that. And then went to the World Series again against the Giants when Mickey struck out looking on a fastball down the middle by Sergio Romo. The Giants won their World Series. But they've had a lot of talent, the Tigers, during that era, right? During that era, they had a young Verlander. They even had a, uh, a MVP in Miguel Cabrera. They had mixtures of Torrey Hunter. Uh, yeah, they had mixtures of Torrey Hunter on that lineup. And J.D. Martinez, that's where Martinez got so good because he learned a lot of hitting from Miguel Cabrera. You had the Ian Kinslers. You had the Prince Fielders. You had all these big power bats. Right, even '06, you had you had Maglio Odonias and Placido Polanco, and you had a young Fernando Rodney on those rosters. So you had a ton of talent during that era, which was your time to win a World Series, to compete in a World Series. And they just couldn't get it done. Verlander gets traded, goes to the Astros, wins a World Series with an asterisk because it's 2017. Okay, Miggy won a World Series with the Florida Marlins way back in the day in 2003 when they beat the Yankees. When Beckett had to do that gym, I think that was game six. But remember that you have a young team. They traded Castellanos away, which he was one of my favorite bats during that trade deadline last year. He's with When he got traded to the Cubs, now he's signed a nice, nice deal. Deserved a good amount of money with the Cincinnati Reds. But the Tigers got a young team. They are horrible. Their pitching is horrible. Horrible horrible they don't really have a lot of pitching they i think they, they traded away um uh shane green during the deadline last year to the Braves, so he's gone so you don't really have a lot of good pitching i think it's matthew boyd is maybe not is is i want to say the better player on this on this roster i'm gonna look up real quick matthew boyd oh, no, yeah correct Mm-hmm. Done. Wow, I'm good. Yeah, Matthew Boyd, decent pitcher. But there's not a lot of pitching talent, so hopefully this is a step in the right direction for the Tigers. But getting a power bat like this who could be in the lineup 
within two years from now? Maybe. Who knows? Now here's another another guy, Max Meyer, drafted third overall by the Marlins. He went to the University of Minnesota. Kid has a power, power arm. Very good breaking ball. I've had buddies that have watched him live because I lived in Minnesota. I've made a lot of friends over there. I had a buddy, I, I had friends that went to the University of Minnesota. So they said the kid, a kid could throw really well. Kid throws really well. And what's funny is there is, I think there's only been, I think, f- I think he's the fourth player, I want to say, drafted a player from Minnesota. State who's from the Minnesota from the state of Minnesota that got drafted in the first round, the first five picks, and those players were I think it was Paul Molitor, Winfield, and Joe Maurer, and now it's Max Meyer. Now Meyer basically has a career, an unbelievable career career in the works. It just kind of rolls like that. It looks awesome. Now another Twins note here, uh, Minnesota note. I know he's on. He didn't go to the Twins. He went to the Marlins. But uh, I just saw here uh, donations in what to racial injustice. Tiger, the Twins owner, the Polad family, donated twenty five million dollars to organizations fighting for racial justice in Minnesota. Fucking awesome, Polads. I I have never met the Polads. I've said I guess I said hello from afar. I've never actually um, talked to any of the family. I we I would see him come to some of the games, walk on the field. Um, it's like one of those weird presents. Like, you know, it's like when I, I've said before, when I interviewed like Mike Trout or Verlander passed me, like I, I, you felt like a weird aura. It was very odd. And with these rich people, billionaires, you, they walk by you and you're like, Whoa, I'm in the presence of one, a, a team owner and two, like a really wealthy person. And it's just like, it's just funny, but this is a, a great move by the poll ads. It's, it's awesome to see that. My favorite guy in the draft is Asa Lacey. Fourth overall pick by the Royals. As a senior in high school, listen to these freaking numbers. He went 13 and 1. 13 1. With a 0.93 earn run average and 128 strikeouts in 97 innings. He was drafted by the Cleveland Indians in the 31st round of the 2017 Major League Draft, but he decided not to sign with the Indians and went on to play at Texas AM. Lacey was mostly a relief pitcher in his first year with AM in 2018. He appeared in 23 games with two starts, going 3-1 with a 2.75 ERA and 48 strikeouts. And here is when he blew up. As a sophomore in 2019, he started 15 games, going 8-4 with a 2-1-3 ERA and 130 strikeouts. After that season, he played for the United States Collegiate National Team. The kid's a beast. Kids a beast. He is a big motherfucker. He is, I think he's 6'4". Jesus Christ. Big kid. It's exactly what you want out of a pitcher. Big left-handed pitcher. Um, the guy the guy is just a, a freaking workhorse. And he was drafted fourth overall by the Royals. Royals, I said, I said when I was watching this kid's highlights... Watch this kid's tape. I'm like, this kid's going to be a front-end starter for any team he goes to. I think he's the most MLB-ready pitcher. I think he's going to be an MLB freaking really fast. Even if there is a shortened season, if we have a season, you could see him up with the Royals. Why not? Get him some time. I think it would be a great move. The kid 
I mean, it's not the first time the Royals have drew, have picked up a you know first round pick that they've drafted. Remember Brendan Finnegan? He was picked up during the playoff run with the Royals. Picked him up. He did the College World Series as soon as his team was out. Boom. I think he played for the Horn Frogs. Yeah, TCU. I think that's Horn Frog, right? I think yeah, TCU Horn Frogs. I want to just double check here. TCU. Well, yep, TCU Horn Frogs. I'm, I'm good today, dude. I've been on fire with these guesses here. Um, yeah, TCU played for TCU uh, Finnegan. Yeah, and yeah, he got called up right after the College World Series. His team was out. Boom. Then goes right into the postseason, right in that postseason run for the Royals. But I think Lacey can be that Finnegan for the Royals. Now the Royals would be a playoff team. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying Lacey could be in the ro- in the rotation. If it's on the rotation, he could be a long guy in that bullpen to give him some time. I think it's going to be very fast, maybe two years. If it's not right away, like I was saying before, like it'd be the coolest thing ever to see that. I think at least two years. He's raw. Kid is raw. What I love though, his bread and butter is that slider, man. It is it, it, he his release points high, so it's starting high and it's diving right in on right handed pitchers, uh, right handed hitters ankles. And for for lefties, good luck. It ain't gonna, ain't gonna happen. Now the now the Royals, who we've known the last couple of years, stink out loud. In 2019, they drafted Bobby Wood Jr. shortstop at the second overall pick. So they have back to back years two really good draft picks. Lacey, though, I'm like in love with this kid's pitching in general. Great, uh, he has a, he has a great form. He's got good command on his fastball, and his breaking pitches are top freaking notch. So Royals, good shit. That's my favorite guy in the draft. I mean, Torkelson, of course, is going to be a beast. But other than Torkelson, I think Lacey is the, is the maybe the best pick in the draft for me. But let's talk about the Yankees draft pick, Austin Wells, catcher. 28th overall pick in the first round. It's another catcher. Last year, the Yankees drafted a catcher, too. But this kid is a beast. Wells batted 527 with 20 doubles, 6 triples, and 4 home runs while scoring 46 runs and batting 40. Uh, yeah, while scoring 46 runs and batting 46 runs. Um, yeah, last year in Arizona, at the University of Arizona, he was drafted. The guy, the guy's a beast. It's just he was. And the funny thing is, he was drafted thirty in the thirty-fifth round by the Yankees in twenty eighteen. So that was twenty eighteen stats. Um, but he was drafted by the Yankees in 2018, 35th round. A true freshman. Um, Wells batted three fifty three with seventy three runs, fifteen doubles, seven triples, five home runs, sixty RBIs, and was named Pac twelve Conference Freshman Player of the Year. Following the end of the season, Wells played in the Cape Cod League and was named to the All-Star team and was awarded uh, the top prospect, most outstanding pro prospect award after batting 308, seven home runs, 26 RBIs. He was named a second-team preseason All-American by Baseball America and the Collegiate Baseball Newspaper into the third, and he was also third team by the National uh, Collegiate Baseball Writers Association and was placed on a watch list for the Golden Spike Award going into the sophomore season. Wells batted 375, two home runs, 14 RBIs, and then the coronavirus happened, so the season got cut short. But that doesn't matter because he was drafted 28th overall in the 2020 draft. But it's just so funny. Like, the Yankees keep drafting catchers, and, like, Gary Sanchez is like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I'm here. I'm here. I'm an all-star. I hit for power. I crush. I hit nukes. 
you know, it's like what the fuck. But I, I like it. The, the Yankees. I'm I'm totally pleased with what Cashman in that front office has always been doing. They always draft pretty well, for the most part. Um, you know, like Clark Schmidt. I want that kid to come up so bad. I want the kid to come up and actually shove because he shoves in the minor leagues. So uh, look, the Yankees do well. Let's just be at that. You know, the Yankees do well drafting. Let's just go look back into the, into the early and late '90s. They drafted pretty fucking well. We've we've seen with the rings and stuff like that. But that's the recap. My little short recap of the 2020 MLB draft. Lacey is a savage. Torkelson savage. Max Meyer, Mayer, Meyer, kid a beast. Look out! But there, I wish there was more than five rounds. Wish there was more than five rounds. But all right, let's um. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will dive into the NBA, new NBA season, and what this means to the NBA looking moving forward, and we'll recap the Lance Armstrong documentary as well when we come back. season's coming back. The league is hoping to resume play one day earlier from July 30th instead of July 31st. It's always seeing these reports. You don't really know what to believe, but the NBA season's come back. I'm excited. It's exciting. The NBA is going also to extend team rosters. The league is planning to allow teams up to 17 players per roster in Orlando, previously limited 15. The schedule turns out like this. So June 22nd, which is in 10 days from now. Uh, coronavirus tests begin on June 30th. Training camp begins in home markets. July 7th, all teams travel to Orlando. July 31st, the NBA season resumes, or July 30th. August 25th, the NBA draft lottery starts in 2020. October 15th, the NBA draft. October 18th, the free agency begins, and November 10th, training camp begins for the 2020-2021 campaign. And then December 1st is when the season starts for that new, the second season, the 2020-2021 NBA season will actually start. The NBA will be playing at ESPN's Worldwide Leader of Sports Complex at Walt Disney World Resorts in Orlando, Florida. But the question remains is that, is this really going to work? Now these facilities, it's, it's. There's of course no fans will be there, but it's not like your normal facility. It's not like your normal arena. the 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 thing that's pretty important, and a lot of players were saying this. I heard Matt Barnes talking about it on. Um, it was either it was multiple platforms. I heard other players were talking about how important it is to have that fan interaction, having the crowd behind you in certain moments. That is big when it comes to big games and going down the line into the season and going into that playoff run. Having your fans absolutely go bonkers when you hit that game-tying three or you have that huge turnover or you hit the game winner or whatever, the good, the, or the amazing 20-point comeback in the fourth quarter. The, the fans behind you is huge for the NBA and huge for all sports, really. But the NBA is in particular because they're so close to you, right? What other league, 
what what other sport has fans on the court that you are actually playing on? I mean, football. I guess you could say they're on the sideline. They're on the you know behind. They're on the sideline. If you have that sideline pass, if you're media, you might be on the field. But when it comes to the fans, they're on the court. Their feet are touching the court where the players are running back and forth. That's huge. I I am happy, though, I said it before we started, that Adam Silver is doing his best and he's doing a great job with the NBA and the Players Association putting something together. It's awesome. But will the MLB do that? Who fucking knows? But the NBA is back. Teams that are kind of in the running to maybe compete in the NBA Finals. Of course, I think the, I think the Lakers and Clippers will be absolutely up there as 1-1A. One one of course, the Bucks will be up there. And you know what I saw? A big move was Jokic. The Joker took time during this layoff here to lose some belly fat. The man was looking like a like an offensive tackle, and now he's looking like a freaking beautiful specimen. He is light on his feet. He is thin. He's lost that belly fat. But do you think that might might hurt him in this shortened season in the NBA? He was a big, big body out down there in, in, in the paint, but he's more of a perimeter shooter as well, a guy who can shoot threes. But look, he looks great. And this was that that's a huge thing for a lot of players and a lot of athletes in all these sports. You have all this time to lose weight. You have all this time to get better with yourself, to get to fix mechanics and to get yourself ready for the season. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. It's exactly what the NBA is needed. Exactly what sports needs is to get this thing back and the NBA is doing that. Now there really isn't really anything that else to dive into the NBA, so I want to go straight into what was I thought was a really good documentary, two-part series called Lance. It was slated on May 24th. I know this is kind of, it's kind of far. I haven't really talked about it. The last podcast, of course, we didn't talk about any kind of sports or anything in particular, but it was a two-parter. It was great. It premiered on May 31st. Um, Oh, what is it? Uh, on Sunday, May 24th, will be part one. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, it was part one of a part two series. Look, I don't know who Lance Armstrong was trying to fool, to be honest with you. In general, the documentary I thought was very good. It depicted a lot of information that a, a lot of other people, it's funny, a lot of other people during that time of when Lance Armstrong was the best in the world and then the doping rumors started coming out. Did he take EPO? Has he done this? Is he... Is he cheating? Well, you're not. You didn't really hear a lot of names come out, but during this documentary, you heard a lot of people talk. His former teammates, his people on his roster, on his team with him, the 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 people that are always massaging the players or whatever, the reporters. You you heard firsthand accounts of all this stuff going on. But I don't know who he was trying to fool. You know, I I I don't know who he was trying to fool. He might be the most selfish per- selfish person I have ever seen. The guy has apologized time and time again, over and over, a half-assed apology to then uh, a sort of a half-assed apology to a lesser of a half-assed apology over and over again. He's like, yep, I'm an asshole, but let's put my face on it and still ha- give a half-assed apology about it. He apologized 
to Oprah in 2013, and then he did a re-apology in 2018, basically the apology that wasn't really an apology. He he just doesn't care, and and that's why he's this like he's this asshole kind of. He still wants all of us to love him. Has he done some amazing things in his career? Absolutely. He survived cancer, which he had, I don't know, I think they said a 15 or 10% chance of surviving, right? He created Livestrong and raised hundreds of millions of dollars for cancer research and saved so many lives. But he's still not giving that real, real full apology, you know? The worst thing that I saw that come from this is that one of the uh, women, Emily O'Reilly, Emma O'Reilly, who was like, uh, was part of the team. She massaged the players, would help out with supplies, whatever. He, Lance Armstrong called her a whore for telling a journalist that he used drugs to beat his rivals. He said that Emma O'Reilly would would mess around with the players, but I'm not going to get into all that. Would, you know, get into all that. It's like, why? Why do you have to continue to be a dick? Why? We all know you took the steroids. Look, you you took EPO. You you, you took about this performance enhancing drugs. The EPO generation that was in cycling, everybody was doing it. Everybody, all of his teammates did it. They've all fessed up. They all they all admitted to it, and they knew they were wrong. But it's there's a, there's something that that comes from Lance Armstrong that he's yes he has said he's apologized and yes I've I've I did the performance dancing drugs but he still goes on to like try and get the people to still love him and just like still like I feel like if he didn't try so hard at doing this and stop being a prick that he would people would like him look at all the people that have admitted to taking performance-enhancing drugs when it comes to sports. My one example, which I think is the example, is Alex Rodriguez. Caught multiple times taking steroids, right? Flat out, like in, in, in horrible fashion. And guess what? He apologized. He took his penalty like a man. He knew he was wrong. He's done better about himself. He has absolutely turned his life and his career around after baseball, and he nobody hates him. Nobody. He's awesome. But for Lance, it's like he has to continue and continue to beat you down a bunch of times. And what I thought I thought was really interesting to, to notice that I noticed was when all these people were getting interviewed, if it was people that used to work with him on Lance, on Livestrong or former teammates or friends, it all said former, former branding manager, former, you know, um, a, a former best friend, former teammate. It's all former. Everybody was working for Lance, but Lance never really, like, gave the niceness or satisfaction to them, and it's all former. Lance has no friends, nobody, nobody that's can re- that he can rely on, nobody that can... That, that, that is a family friend, like it's close friends. Teammates, done. Just done. I'm, re- I'm reading an article on uh, 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 kind of just overviewing what, what's like certain topics that's going on. And it's really interesting to see that 
you know, a lot of these articles are kind of all like agreeing with each other that he's just a dick. And if he just didn't try hard, it, it was it was crazy. But I, I want to read this. It, it's on bicycling dot com. They were talking about part two. So here, here's a here's a, a little tidbit. It said part two of ESPN's latest thirty for thirty documentary. Lance picks up with Armstrong, fresh off his seemingly miraculous nineteen ninety nine Tour de France win, with David Letterman and mocking the doping allegations already being casted upon him by the press. I'm just paraphrasing, of course, uh, through this paragraph. It's kind of long. Um, so he says, at, at a shocking speed, he becomes a vessel for cycling fans in hopes of people living with cancer and the expectations of the corporate sponsors. He's just like kind of putting this image of him being this poster boy of cancer and the poster boy of cycling. People didn't care about cycling until Lance came on. Nobody cared. Seriously. Real like if if you're if you love cycling, if you love Tour de France stuff and you're listening to this, it's like be honest with yourself. Was it popular in France and in, in, in the European side of it? Sure. But in the United States, no one gave a shit. Like Greg LeMond, you used the guy. But other than that, nobody was glued to the TV. Nobody was skipping out on baseball in the summer. Nobody was skipping out on other sports to go watch cycling. And guess what? Lance did that. But the fact he's on he's on Letterman and he's mocking all this crazy allegations about oh, is he taking EPO? You know, other your former teammates people that you've trained with are doing it how do you feel and he's laughing and he's just mocking the press but like it's crazy that he just keeps he keeps lying to everybody he knows he's wrong and he just continues to say it I mean A-Rod did a bunch of interviews during his playing career that he lied on TV like Katie Kirk he lied to Katie Kirk in her face saying Katie said have you taken performance enhancing drugs and he says no i am it's absolutely mind-boggling that you like somebody can just lie <laughs> about something so serious like that it's crazy i mean people people do that he's trying to save his own ass of course but you know nike was selling about 80 million of these yellow rubber band bracelets they would live strong on it and, and imagine that Lance still knows that he's done all this bad stuff. And it's kind of like it's gone so far that he's like, oh, shit. I, this is how I would feel. i like, oh, my God, this has gotten so big. Nike's in on our Livestrong Foundation. We're raising so much money. I'm making a lot of money. I'm winning Tour de France. This is like it's freaking the easiest thing, easiest competition possible. I'd have a meltdown. I just know, like, this can't go on much longer. It can't. But eventually he gets caught. And as for Livestrong, it, it kind of just fell apart after he was caught. People, sponsorships were dropping. Nike bounced out. Everything's bounced out. I think I think Nike had uh, like a, a Lance Armstrong building named after him. And within the day like that he was found out that, that it happened, they removed the sign so fast. He says he regrets his treatment of uh, O'Reilly, whom he 
said she was a whore. But it's like, I don't think he really does, you know? I don't know. It's just, it's it's a shame. It's a shame. But it's it just, it, you don't, you don't, I'm like, and oh, don't give me about um, Floyd Landis, right? Landis was this guy that was a absolute beast. After his short-lived 20, I mean, he was short-lived. 2006 Tour de France victory ends in disgrace as Landis undergoes hip surgery and disappears into haze of alcohol and painkillers. And then also, the guy took EPO also. And then he also ratted out everybody else. Just, you know, it's... And also that relationship with Floyd Landis and... Lance Armstrong, I mean, Lance said in the documentary, he's like, I ain't never going to be friends with that guy ever again. Ever again. Look, Lance Armstrong has all these big regrets, and he has all these situations that he's come through in his career and his life, but I just really wish he took this documentary um, the time that he was like, look, I'm sorry. I am truly sorry. I mean, he's apologized like 10 or 11 times. With something like this, if it takes you more than two times, something's wrong. Something's wrong. But the documentary in general was great. It was awesome. I really enjoyed it. I know the Bruce Lee one, Water, Be Water, just came out. I had, I actually missed it. I was I, I don't know how I missed it. I think I went to sleep really early on Sunday. Um, missed that. But the one that's coming out uh, with McGuire and Sammy Sosa's home run battle, I think it's like uh, it's coming out. Uh, it's, I think it's next Sunday. I want to say. So it's gonna be it's gonna be great. So I'm I'm very um, excited for that one to come out. Hope you guys like the podcast episode 102. No guest. I know. I apologize. It's been kind of tough to kind of book some guests lately, but we're trying our best here at the end of the bench. Trying our best. So um, all right. If you enjoyed the podcast, you know what to do. Subscribe, share. More content will be coming out on YouTube. Just go on my YouTube page. You'll see it there. And I um, hope everyone liked it. We'll see you guys next week. Hopefully we have a guest on episode 103. And um, all right. We out. Peace. Sending all the friends,